letter to the Hebrews, and he is comparing uh, Jesus' life and ministry to the things they knew very well, uh, their own worship systems, and especially the uh, temple and the rules and regulations they had to follow when worshiping at the temple. So he is comparing and contrasting, as as we used to say in, in school. So listen now to the word of the Lord. So friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. So let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, David, for filling in this morning, and thank you, Josh and David, for your beautiful music. Well, you are here. You are at church. And I'm going to be delivering a sermon to you this morning on why coming to church and worshiping together as a community of believers still matters. Now, maybe I should have thought this through a little more because you're here and my intended audience, I don't know if I'm going to reach them or not. But I wrote this sermon, and so I'm going to give it anyways. A mother went to wake her son for church one Sunday morning. When she knocked on the door, he said, I'm not going. Why not? asked his mother. I'll give you two good reasons, he said. One, they don't like me, and two, I don't like them. His mother replied, I'll give you two good reasons why you will go to church. One, you're 47 years old, and two, you're the pastor. (laughs) Now, honestly, I can say I've never felt that way about you all. I just bound with energy, and I get up, and I'm ready to come here every morning. I love this place. You see, I got the impetus to preach this sermon today because of something that was told to me in this very sanctuary. You see, I had a a meeting, or I invited a friend over who does not attend this church. We met in the library, and afterwards I thought, well, I'll give her a tour of St. John's because, you know, I love my job, and I love this place, and of course I wanted to show off our beautiful church. And this individual was very impressed with our facilities, and when she got to the sanctuary, she said, oh, it's just so beautiful in here. And she told me that um, she grew up attending church, and that she and her husband were married in church, but that her husband did not attend church growing up. And so she said, now they just don't attend. And these were the words that came out of her mouth. She said, I don't feel like you have to attend church to worship God. You can do that at home or in nature. I'm going to let those words settle with you for just a few moments. I don't feel like you have to attend church to worship God. You can do that at home or in nature. Is my friend right? Is that a true statement? Or is it a justification? Yes. The answer is yes. On some levels to all of it. You see, I used to be an attorney, and while I haven't practiced law for many years, I still have the tendency to view the world through a lawyerly lens. 
And when I hear a statement like the one I just mentioned, I can sometimes go on the defensive. Because what I heard was, I don't want to go to church. And more so than any other sermon topic that I have tackled in the last six, seven years, I felt compelled to make the case for coming to church. But I learned something along the way. The defensiveness has melted away, and I've thought about this extensively. Um, I meet weekly with a mentor and good friend, Garth Lee. Gosh, you're getting your name dropped a lot this morning, Garth. I bet even Garth is tired of talking about this topic, because we have really hit it very hard over the last couple weeks about worship and the importance of it. And I'm not going to get up here and lecture or scold or guilt you or anyone into anything. I do think there are some valid reasons why people do not want to join in corporate worship anymore. I'm going to talk about a few, not all, but few of them. I think there are some things that we have to admit and be honest about when it comes to worship, community and church life, humanity, and our faith in Jesus Christ, about why the mainline church is in such rapid decline, about why people are choosing to stay at home and to go it alone, or just an outright rejection of the corporate worship experience, a.k.a. organized religion. But I am also not ready to wave the white flag yet and surrender. I'm not ready to give up on corporate worship and community, and the body of Christ. And I don't think that you should either. So I'm going to talk about that too. So the question is, where can you find God? Or phrased in another way, can you worship God, Jesus? Can you, can you be in the presence of the Holy Spirit outside of church? Yes, let's start with those scriptures again this morning. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 So friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. So let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see that big day approaching. Now, to be fair, the scriptures do not say to not avoid church, as some do. The writer of Hebrews is talking about worshiping together. Are there other ways to do that outside of church? And, to be fair, this is just one set of scriptures contained in a vast set of scriptures in the Bible. I fully acknowledge and believe that you can encounter God, his son Jesus Christ, and the very real and profound presence of the Holy Spirit outside the walls of a church, any church, even this church. The church is a sacred structure, and when I was growing up, my mom always called it God's house. She said, don't you kids be running in God's house. That's what we referred it to. 
But to say that God stays holed up in here in his house and never leaves, that's ridiculous. God is on the move, present and alive in his creation, the world, nature, and in human and our many endeavors. Think about a time when you have been in awe of the majesty and supremacy of our God and our creator all while you were in nature, perhaps alone, just experiencing and feeling deeply the divine splendor in your midst, fully embracing your place in creation and the resounding feeling of love and wholeness. Have you ever experienced something like that? Many of us have. And you might have felt like it was your own sort of personal worship experience. Just, oh, that sunset is amazing. I'm blown away. Oh, God, you just take my breath away. i got to stop and tell you thank you. I've done that. Or have you ever had a powerful moment when you feel supremely close to God in a moment of silent, solemn prayer, all while in complete solitude? Yes. Those very powerful and reverential moments can happen alone. And they can happen in places and spaces other than in a church setting. And to fully fully illustrate this point further, Jesus said, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And remember how the scriptures go, where did we ever see you? We, we didn't show up to those places. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. My friends, Jesus is out there in the world amongst the most vulnerable and discarded in our society, you're not necessarily going to find those people here. The world is our mission field. Powerful expressions of love and compassion and sharing God's grace for humankind. We have always been encouraged to love beyond these walls. Church in the modern era is about who we can reach beyond our beloved structures and institutions. I've heard countless powerful testimonials from the folks here at St. John's about the long tradition of missions work that they have done all over the city, all over the world. And I have heard people tell me how they have never felt closer to God than when they were working side by side with people speaking a different language, living a vastly different life, in a completely foreign culture, thousands of miles from home and St. John's. Those are life-changing experiences, and you can't necessarily find them in corporate worship. And then there's the Holy Spirit. While this very real and very misunderstood part of the Trinity might have helped kick off the church as we know it, remember Pentecost last Sunday? It's not confined to church as a physical structure, nor is it only present when a community of believers assembles. In 1 Corinthians, the Holy Spirit is referred to in this way, your body, 
is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. Jesus explains it this way. If you love me and you keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you, with you, wherever you go. We're a conduit for the Holy Spirit. I think you find the Holy Spirit alive and flowing here in our church, but this isn't the only place you will find it, experience it, and receive comfort and companionship from it. The Holy Spirit abounds in us. Now, my next point, since I'm up here making concessions, now this is a lawyer, lawyerly trick. Lawyers, you'll know what I'm doing here. Just concede all the stuff up front that, you know, are not worth arguing about. So I'm just going to make some concessions and concede to the other side. I might as well say it. We pastors don't always get it right either. I'm terrible at prayer, joys, and concerns. I love doing the sermon. I can do children's moment, and I get up there to do prayer, joys, and concerns. We're, we have our, our, our moments of weakness. Sometimes the preaching is just uninspired. It doesn't click with you. I know. I get it. I have lived on both sides of the pulpit. I remember when I first came into preaching, the pastor who was leaving gave me these words of encouragement. He said, Don't take it too hard if you see people sleeping during your sermons. You never know what might have been going on in that person's life. They might have been up all night worrying about a problem. Or perhaps they have a health issue. Or maybe they're just closing their eyes and listening to your words. We can't always know. So don't let it discourage you. Oh, the things we say to placate ourselves. Or maybe it's just a bad sermon. I mean, I know I've delivered a few of them. I might be giving one right now. It's not because we're not trying, though. Pastor Jim, Dale, Denny, when she was here, and Jessica, our office manager, we're a team. And we try really hard to provide a worship experience that will heighten your senses allow you to come closer to God through music, scripture, words of encouragement, prayer, and sacrament. We pay attention to traditions and atmospherics, but sometimes we don't always hit the mark. We know that. We are painfully aware of that. You have to be spiritually fed when you come to church. Most people feel like they want to get something out of it at least most of the time, if they want to come back. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is just just an acknowledgement from this side of the pulpit that we want you to come and feel God in a very powerful way, and we hope that happens, but we know the reality is it ain't always a home run, folks. When worship isn't done well, we all suffer. I get that. And since we're picking on the church... Not to be mean-spirited here, but just in an effort to be real and truthful about what drives people away from attending corporate worship, i.e. church, it's people. People make it messy. 
Yes, you heard me. People can make things difficult. We make it hard on each other sometimes. I remember back to my lawyering days when I did bankruptcy and foreclosure prevention work for low-income clients, and I used to quip, I love practicing law if it weren't for the clients. Man, oh man, I mean, I loved my clients, but that was also the hardest part of my job. And church life can be like that too, because sometimes people have left the church, I'm not saying this church, but the church, because somebody said something to hurt their feelings, or they felt left out. Maybe there was a power struggle, or difference of opinions and beliefs, perceived wrongs and hurts. Maybe that feeling like, you know, I was gone and nobody noticed. And the big one, hypocrisy, or perceived hypocrisy, People, we did this to ourselves. I mean, I remember when I was a kid going to our little church. We weren't in every single Sunday family by any means, but we tried. And my parents were really good, though, about getting us kids to Sunday school. But every once in a while, we would miss, you know, a Sunday or two. And when we came back to church, instead of this sort of warm embrace of, oh, we've missed you, I haven't seen you for a while, what's been going on? there was a contingency of ladies who would swarm my mom holding a baby on one hip and three other kids in tow, and they'd say something like, well, we haven't seen you in a while. You know, and I don't know what their intention was. Maybe that was their way of saying, hey, we care, we missed you. But that's not how it felt. And so I had to acknowledge and be very careful today not to be judgmental about people's reasons. I have to acknowledge that sometimes it's us. It's the people that in our words and our actions or our inactions have offended, excluded, hurt, or judged in ways both intentional and wholly unintentional. Our humanness tends to get in the way. Our desire for rules and traditions and just our flawed human way of approaching things. To me, it seems more than anything that that's why people flatly reject organized religion and the corporate worship experience. It's why people claim to be spiritual but not religious. Have you heard that? Spiritual, I'm just not religious. I don't go to church. They discard the entire system because in some ways, or in many ways, they feel disenfranchised. But hear this. In her commentary discussing the rise of the spiritual but not religious movement, Deborah Dean Murphy writes, Yet no matter the age group or demographic, this business of shedding the baggage of doctrine and religion is what it's all about. Snubbing the dogma and its perceived strictures, rejecting all forms of religion, especially the organized kind, But Murphy says, I agree with a fellow Christian writer who said, being against organized religion is like being against organized hospitals. Institutions will always be subject to corruption and silliness, fraud and ineptitude, since they are comprised of people who, well, since they're comprised of people. I mean, we haven't given up on hospitals and schools and other businesses and institutions in our lives, have we? 
But she says, the organized institutional part of religion, the messy materiality of people and practices, is the church's beating heart. Did you get that? The organized institutional part of religion, the messy materiality of people and practices, is its beating heart. She continues to say the letter of to the Hebrews has drawn us into the messy materiality of corporate religion, worship and prayer, gifts and offering, cries, sighs, and tears. This week we are admonished to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together. That's the inconvenient thing about religion. It asks you to do stuff, like worship with other people, love other people, do good to and for other people, and to do it all regardless of how you feel about any of it. And that, my friends, is the other side. I was honest about the side who said, I don't want to go to church anymore. But it's only fair to give the other side of the situation of why we do need worship. Sure, people are messy. But people also make it worth coming. People who love God and desire to live in God's love and grace. People who are imperfect and complicated and yet are seeking a better way. Forgiveness and wholeness through the gifts of salvation through Jesus Christ People who want to live an abundant life of helping and serving others, as modeled by our servant leader, Jesus. People who want to find peace and comfort and joy and all the nourishment of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. People who celebrate being the children of God despite their limitations, flaws, and weaknesses. Because together they are a family. They are the very body of Christ. Now, according to the United Methodist Church's own discussion about corporate worship, I mean, they pose this question, can you be a Christian and not go to church? Yes, in the most strict sense of the word. But, they write, John Wesley taught and practiced accountable discipleship. He knew what we know deep down today, that we can't keep on the path with Christ without the help and support of other Christians, without hearing the word read and preached, without gathering with other Christians around the table to share and feast upon Christ who is host and sacrifice for us, and without becoming a part of the fire of the Spirit, we are like embers of fire separated from the community of grace. We grow cold, and the fire and flame of love grow cold, and we die spiritually. We may still believe, but we stand outside the covenant in our practice. Church, corporate worship, it isn't always convenient. It is not always a guaranteed mystical and divine experience that will connect you with the creator each and every Sunday. It isn't perfect. It isn't always easy and harmonious in the ways of communal experience. Nobody said it would be all these things all the time. The church is made up of humans, and so we have to work at it and not give up on it. We need to practice worship together. 
You see, corporate worship at its best represents people immersed in their own faith journey who simply cannot deny the power of encouraging, loving, and helping out, worshiping together and spurring each other on. At its best, worship together is what feeds us, keeps us going. It's where we want to be when we've had our first baby, or for me, my second or third, and I just want to come to church, and I just want to show you my new baby. I want you to see this child. It's where we go to weep when we've lost a loved one, and there are no words. We just need to be around people who love us. It's a place we go to ask for prayers because the test results came back positive this time and not negative. It's the place where we come to celebrate the end of a long battle to regain health and wholeness and well-being because you know these people have been praying for you day in and day out. Church at its best is where you come on a Sunday morning, even when you're worn and tired and just plain don't feel like it, but then you sing a song slip into prayer, and slowly you feel your spirit start to lift, where you take the bread that's given to you and you dip it into that cup and you truly remember Christ's act of sacrificial love and you experience Christ's grace and love and it nourishes you. And you know those burdens that you were carrying around all week? This is the place you go to let them go. And you can feel forgiveness because you asked. And you want to turn away from the mistakes of the past and walk in a new and better way. At its best, worship begins the moment you pull up in the parking lot and you see that wide smile and hear a hearty hello from a friend that you've known for years until you share your last laugh over a cookie in the rotunda with a person you just met for the very first time and every single moment in between. That's church. That's worth worth having. Now remember, and this is what I had to tell myself, this is not an argument to be won. I thought it was. You see, corporate worship and fellowship, it's important. But to say, oh, well, corporate worship, That's better than worshiping God at home or in nature or outside of church or even alone. See, this isn't an either-or proposition. It's both. You need both. Except Jim did tell me you cannot find God on the golf course. He said that I should mention that. He said if anyone tells you that, that's not true. I'm just going to have to take his word for it. I think we lose when we pick sides, you know, we need both. We desperately need both of these things in our life. We need alone time with God, and we need to be together with our friends and our fellow believers. We need these elements of spiritual practice and faith formation in our lives like never before. The ones that find us alone and deeply connected with God and the ones that are communal in every sense of the word. Both ways have their challenges, and both have their deep rewards. The writer of Hebrews is well aware that we as Christians need each other. We need community to encourage each other, 
and support one another through our love for Jesus Christ. In worship, in communion with each other, in all its beauty and in all its messiness, when we come together to worship God, life is better together. Would you join me in prayer? Dear Lord, we need you every day, every hour, every minute of our lives. Sometimes we seek you in solitude, in nature, in the quietness that we carve out of the busyness of our lives, and that is a good and wonderful thing. But Lord, we also recognize that among other believers, we can find the loving encouragement and support for our faith life that we simply cannot achieve if we were to go it alone. God, we recognize the challenges and rewards of worshiping you together with other believers. And we pray that we can engage in spirit-led worship whenever we assemble. Lord, help us to fully engage in all the many ways that we can come to know you, worship you, and love you, and your son Jesus. Help us to see them as a benefit and a gift to all of us. Amen.